Hi, Royals fans. This is J.J. Piccolo. The University of Kansas Health System is the official health care provider of the Kansas City Royals. And gone! Trust the same experts who make the right call for the Royals and go to kansashealthsystem.com slash royals. Isn't this a sports show? I'm nothing if not uh, smooth and professional. And needy. And extremely needy. That's Don't nod so hard, I'm, dudes. I'm Almost entirely. I want to eat a Jigglypuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll say oh, it. Wait, cowards. Hang on, hang on. No, hang on. no, <laughs> hang on. no. I want to eat a Jigglypuff. This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. Sports! Sports! We're talking about sports! Take the show with you by listening on the Sports Radio 810 mobile app at 810whb.com or by searching for Almost Entirely Sports wherever you get your podcasts. I looked at the Facebook comments earlier. No one said that we suck yet today. That's not an invite, people. (laughs) That's not an invitation. You go back into the hole from whence you came. This is Almost Entirely Sports on Sports Radio 810 WHB. It's a good mood Tuesday here on Almost Entirely Sports. Welcome in to the next couple hours here of AES on 810. It's a Tuesday, which means we'll bring you a little Seth Kaiser from the Chief in the North newsletter and The Athletic to talk about all the fun things currently happening around uh, your favorite football team. And you might say fun things like, well, look, maybe not new fun things, but just some good stories to be told around the Chiefs right now. Uh, And we'll make some time to do that a little bit later on here tonight, but need to let you know on the front end, we've got uh, Sporting Kansas City tomorrow night. We've got the NBA Draft on Thursday. We've got Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final on Friday, and then Game uh, 4 tomorrow night will be over on ESPN Kansas City. But th- those other ones I all mentioned are all going to be right here on Sports Radio 10 WHB the next few weeknights. So this is a, uh, a quick little one-and-done, a little one-hitter of AES for your week. So we'll bring you Seth, uh, but also... Got a late start from the Royals and their West Coast road trip that they continue on. So we have a little opportunity to, yeah, I guess it's going to go ahead and make the format a little wonky on today's show. But I thought, look, we're going to have exactly one possible window to have a nice baseball-based conversation with our dear, beloved friend David Lesky from Inside the Crown. Also, uh, a Substack newsletter, so you can check that out at insidethecrown.substack.com. But I thought, we have one way that we could conceivably talk to David Lesky today. Or this week, actually. Didn't talk to him last week. Can we get Lesky this week somewhere, somehow? Yeah, we can. But, instead of being the entree in the middle of the meal, we've got a little... Lesky hors d'oeuvre. We've got a little David Lesky Lesky appetizer. Some people like to eat dessert first. I'm not here to stop people from eating the good stuff first. Maybe that's it. Maybe he's not a little he's not a little hors d'oeuvre. Maybe we're having dessert first tonight. Why not? Why not? It's like having breakfast for dinner. I I'm Maybe. pretty I'm pretty sure that most of us growing up were under the I was gonna say illusion, but really the delusion. That being an adult was just being a kid, but you could have ice cream whenever you want. Yeah, I mean, that that's like 
five percent of like what's good about being an, an adult. Yeah. You, you can you can just eat what you want when you want. Now there are repercussions. Sure, diabetes being one of them. Exactly, but that is your choice. Yeah, diabetes is my choice. Thank you, Rudy. I meant eating. Oh, you know, okay. Is your choice. Got it. Diabetes yeah. might have been a genetic thing that was not really much. You didn't have a lot of factor implanted, in, but you know, type type one in diabetes, number one in your heart. I it just it just hit me. You know, was that's not the lifestyle kind of one, but you know, lots of people are pre type two diabetic and don't even know it. So go get that checked out. You don't want this. I make it look good. Doesn't mean you want it. It's also what I say about most of my clothes. Uh, so anyway, with that being said, we'll uh, we'll talk now to, to our dear friend David Lesky from Inside the Crown. Uh, Lesky, getting in on the first segment today. What's your favorite? What is your favorite dessert if you know you're going to eat it before the entree? Ooh, God, that's a really good question because, like, I'm I'm very much a cookies and brownies guy, mm. like just generally, mm-hmm. um, like to the point that we can't have them in the house. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but like, if, if you're gonna give me like a decadent dessert, it's gonna be a chocolate lava cake oh. with vanilla ice cream. Oh, and that that's what I am for you today. Oh wow! Wow, you are our chocolate lava cake with the little vanilla. I'm gonna say little <laughs> vanilla bean ice cream. You got yes, those flecks yes. of vanilla. vanilla. Yes. Oh god, yeah. Now the the noise that I just made was actually me just thinking about how much that would be in total cost of insulin. But that's sort of a uniquely <laughs> me problem. I think most of the audience heard that and went, "Oh, I could crush a lava well, it, cake." It, honestly, it depends on how big the piece is because, like, for yeah. some people, like, even if you don't have diabetes, it might cost some insulin. I don't. I don't yeah, know. It's, true. Could definitely be that last night. Right, if you have the right cake. Yeah. The lava cake that broke the camel's pancreas. <laughs> poor camel. <laughs> poor camel. Poor camel. And let's be fair, the pancreas isn't fully broken. It's still, right. like 90% of it works fine. That's true. It's just that. that 10% just is in rough shape. That one key feature that makes pancreas is so popular with so many people. It's like having the quarterback that is great Monday through Saturday, <laughs> but just doesn't huh? quite show up on Sunday. Yeah. That's your pancreas. Yeah, that really, that might just, that, my pancreas is not ready for uh, for game day. Well, look, Lesky, I, we don't have a ton of time because of this show being kind of funky today with the, with the baseball, but I'm glad to talk to you about dessert and otherwise. I have more cookie-based questions, but we'll, that'll be like real dessert for this segment to reward me for getting through sure. some, some baseball. Um, but you, you talk about being on, uh, you know, a decent little stretch. Hey, the Royals have played some downright competent baseball as of late. Unfortunately, it it has not been difficult to miss that uh, if you don't if you don't set your watch by Eastern time, but or by Western time. Good lord, I don't even know what coast is what anymore. I, that was true before the diabetes. That's not a side effect. Um, but but there's been some ups and downs and some pros and cons in the last couple of weeks. There's big picture issues still, but small successes. So uh, if uh, if you're gonna follow through on your Twitter Twitter promise to bring a good a good energy to talk about the Royals right now. Where would you start? Um, first of all, his tremendous attitude. Mm, sorry, thank you. Um, that's right. I'm sorry. That's so that important. You're right. That's so but, important. If you don't have a good attitude, what do you have? And if you do have a good attitude, you don't even need good pitching. I mean, anything else? You know, you're you're exactly right. Um, look, it, it's funny because they're seven and six in their last thirteen games, which for this team is like. Where are the World Series tickets? Yes. Um, yeah, give, and, them, and, give them a big hunk of metal. <laughs> right. Yeah, just end the season. Forget the Yankees. I don't care how many wins they have. It is it is World Series time for the Royals. Yes. Um, it, it's just funny because, like, the 7-6 and six stretch, 
you hope that most like for a good team, if I mean I don't care what what number of games you break the season down to, but let's say you look at thirteen game stretches because you're really weird. You want like 10, 13 game stretches of seven and six, and then the last thirty two games you want to go like twenty four and eight. <laughs> and and the Royals, their best thirteen game stretch is seven and six. Mm. So that that's where this team is. Mm. Um, but but yeah, I mean they pitch better. I don't think they've given up six runs since um, that first game in San Francisco, which they've given up six runs in half of their first sixty games. So to to go was that six games now since then? Yeah, it would be six games. Um, that's impressive. I, I haven't looked, but I would guess it's their first six-game stretch without allowing six runs or more. Um, the bats are not world-beating, but they're generally pretty competent. Um, yeah, they got shut out on Sunday, but that's okay. Um, yeah, and they, you know they they play good defense, and that that's the one thing they've done all season long: played good defense. Um, and and the bullpen's been good. The bullpen. Gave up its uh, its first run. Was that yesterday? Sunday? I don't remember. But it must have been Sunday. Um, gave up the first run in a while on Sunday. They, they, they put together solid baseball for an extended, extended-ish stretch for the first time all season. And that's, I think, worth celebrating in a way. And we can, we can joke about how sad it is that it took until uh, the first day of summer to be talking about that. But yeah. they've done it. And yeah. it's, it's a good thing. It is sad. That, I mean, that, that is still on its face depressing. And we will make some time for the depressing stuff here. But of, of kind of that like little, I don't know, run through of positivity. And, and again, I mentioned already, you can read all Esky's work up in the Inside the Crown newsletter, insidethecrown.substack.com. Also, some stuff on Royals Review as well, of course. Um, but you, you, know, you write about Chris Bubich. Like, is that sticky? Is that is that going to continue being positive going forward? You mentioned the bullpen uh, putting together a, a nice run. Are you buying into any of that as something that is sustainable? Is there is there any sustainably good stuff going on right now that you feel optimistic about? Um, well, with Bubich, it's hard to say right now. But what I like, um, he's throwing harder. And we, talk, we talked about this last year a lot. When he's throwing harder with his fastball, he's better. <laughs> when, when you're going 92 to 94 with your fastball, you can make a mistake with your changeup. Now, he made a couple yesterday, and Taylor Ward crushed them, but he's been a really good hitter this year, A. And B, you're still going to have mistake changeups get crushed. It happens. Um, but he, he filled up the zone with that changeup pretty well. And, and I, I would wager, and there's no way to know this, but I would wager if he was sitting 89 to 91 like he has at times, he probably would have gotten hit a little harder on the changeup. Hmm. Um, just, just that extra couple miles really helps. It really helps to differentiate, keep, keep hitters a little more off balance. Um, so that, that to me, he's done it two starts in a row now. And I, I thought it was really interesting because before his giant start, he'd thrown 25 fastballs all season, 93 miles per hour or harder. And then against the Giants on, what day was that, Wednesday, Tuesday? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, he threw 25 fastballs, 93 miles per hour or harder in the one start. And then eleven more last night. So not not quite as quite as much, but still, it was um, it was nice to see, and I think that helps. And so if he can continue that, I think there's sustainability. Um, the bullpen, Dylan Coleman last night. <laughs> that's the guy. Before the season, I was I was jazzed about Dylan Coleman. I thought, okay, this is a guy who I I think can be the closer. Um, whether they trade Barlow or not, I think Dylan Coleman is has closer stuff. 
the 99-mile-per-hour fastball, the nasty slider. He's going to have some control issues here and there, but, you know, he's, that, that, that's the guy you want in your bullpen. And then he couldn't throw strikes at all. Well, he's throwing strikes again. That, he changes the bullpen just, just completely because you go from having Barlow, who you have faith in pretty much all the time, Stamont, who you mostly have faith in, and then a bunch of guys. Well, now you can add Coleman to that. If you can, if you think you can, and I, and I do, I, I'm, I'm a believer because he looks like the guy we saw last year. Um, so I think that that's sticky too. And then look, Daniel Lynch has done a really nice job getting strikeouts lately. Um, yeah, it was the A's lineup, but still, <laughs> Brad Keller pitched well and only got six and in seven innings. So Lynch had ten and five. I mean, that that was a nice performance with a really bad, not even a bad inning, just a iffy inning in there in that second inning. But Jonathan Healy looked good. Um, they're getting Zach Greinke back on Friday, probably. I think that's the plan. So, I mean, th- there's there's some stuff to like here. It's just the problem, and not to not to flip to negative, but the problem is we've seen stuff to like, yeah. And then it just completely reverts back. So it's hard to know for certain. Um, I mean, we're not talking about Max Scherzer here, who you go, well, he had a bad start. Nobody deal. He's going to throw seven shutout shutout innings next time because he had a bad start today. It's just a bunch of guys we don't know that yet, but at least what we're seeing right now is good, and and a lot of what they're doing seems like they could keep it up. Do you want to talk, do you want to fully flip to the negative now? Do you feel like we've said um, enough good things, or is there any? Is there? I, I legitimately, I legitimately actually do care about getting most of the good stuff from you before we get to the deep existential dread. Um, let's get one uh, look. MJ Melendez. I mean, he gives some of the – and this is kind of negative, too, because the rest of the team is, is veterans and, and they can't do it. But MJ Melendez gives some of the best plate appearances you'll see. It, they are – he is a treat to watch at the play. Yeah, he's a rookie. He's going to have issues where you go, well, why didn't he swing it? That, you know, stuff, whatever. But he gives a phenomenal plate appearance. And I, I, I love watching him hit. Okay, now we can go negative. Okay, that's good. I look. I I I am glad to have that because Bobby Witt has been, I think, the headline prospect now for a little while. And MJ Melendez, if you've not been tuning in for Royals baseball, continues to be very fun and exciting. And like you said, like just good, good. Like uh, I I should come up with a different word that I can use in this in this spot more often. But just sort of grown up, grown up uh, uh, plate yeah. appearances. Adult plate appearances. Adult grown man plate appearances. And that's exciting because yeah. that's hard. That is that is hard to do. There was I don't know if you saw this or if anyone listening saw this, but there was just some video that was going around on Twitter this morning that I saw of just, uh, it was just a pitch from from an umpire cam. And the the poor batter like takes a nice hack at it, but all of a sudden, you know, his his arms are locked out and the pitch is swerved four feet out outside the, to the, you know, far side of the plate. And he just looks foolish and it's just impossible because, because looking like a coordinated human being in a batter's box is incredibly difficult pitchers are stupid good it's dumb it, it is it is i mean if you watch pitching ninja on the, if you go to the twitter account and see yes. the video post like the the movement that pitchers are able to get is just stupid like i, I was i was listening um i was going to pick up some dinner tonight and i was listening to mlb network radio and they had the pirate team on and um o'neill cruz who's a big shortstop literally big he's six foot seven the shortstop prospects for them who just came up he takes a hack on two and zero, and the announcers go, "Well, that's not what you want to see." And so I went back, and I when I got home, I kind of wanted to see if I could find it. I did. He's never seen a curveball like that. 
Yeah, yeah, he, he, literally he, ever. Yeah, and it just it's two and zero, and he sees this fat pitch coming up there, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna crush this ball," and it ends up in the dirt. How does it end up? In, I don't know. I don't know how it ends up in the dirt, but it was it was one of those things that you just you. There are some things you do you cannot learn in the minors because those guys aren't nearly good enough to show you. And, and MJ Melendez has, like I said, he's had his issues. Not not a ton because his numbers are pretty good, but he gives a really good plate appearance just about every time. And I still like the City Connect uniforms. Yeah, and I love that they started putting the City Connect pants with the Sunday uniforms. I mean, that really helped mm. too because they got the powder blue stripe and the powder blue belt now. More powder blue in general, yeah. I think, is a huge win. That's a great. That is a great note. The two most lesky things you said so far today is that about the pant mismatch, uh, the purposeful pant mismatch, and I was driving to get some food and listening to MLB Network Radio, <laughs> and the Pirates were playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that's very me. <laughs> it's very you, um, but it's but hey, that's what we're here for right now. Is we're here we're here to have this lava cake with ice cream on it. Um, so so let's let's go ahead and let's go ahead and crack open this lava cake and see if we can make a little mess. I I don't know, and I'm not alone asking this question. I think you've asked this question maybe on Twitter, maybe elsewhere. I don't know what the Royals are currently believing that they might be gaining from talking <laughs> publicly right now, particularly Dayton Moore, um, because I think he is very much under the microscope right now, understandably. J.J. Piccolo is interesting just because I don't, I feel like he gets a good amount of credit. He has a pretty good ratio of credit to blame amongst Royals fans. I don't know if that's justified in your eyes or not, but I think that's largely true because Dayton Moore is still kind of the the puppet master to most people, I think, and and, you know, JJ's only been in that spot for a little bit. Um, but it just sort of seems like anytime Dayton Moore says anything publicly, there is immediately a small Twitter kerfuffle and some level of disbelief that he is once again called Kel Eldred, um, literally the best coach in the history of any sport or whatever. And it just sort of leaves everybody kind of shell-shocked. This this is hugely wide open to whatever you find most interesting about all of that, but... What are they doing? What do they think they're gaining? And then do you, do, do you think that there is anything to be gained from the Royals front office at this point? I, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, it's tiring. I'm, I'm, I'm worn out from these guys because it seems like for the last month, five weeks, I don't know, whenever, I guess, I guess it's been like five weeks and a day since they fired Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> Ever since that day you know jj piccolo spoke about the the move and and people were like yeah that sounds good yeah yeah okay they're, they're, they they saw an issue and they took action great and then dean gets out there and just pees all over it and and it, and ever since then it was it, it's just been like silly thing after silly thing it seems like um and yeah i I don't know what what the plan there is, and I, I think, I mean, not not to play like psychologist or whatever, but it, it sort of feels like Dayton's always been a good talker, and he's like, you know what, I I can get it, I can get out of this, I can mm-hmm. dig out of this hole, and every time he tries to dig out of the hole, what ends up happening is the shovel keeps slipping, and he's farther and farther in, 
And now I got to be honest, I don't think there's a rope ladder. Mm-hmm. And and he's just stuck there. And it's like, well, might as well keep digging because maybe if I get deep enough, I'll find a different place to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> it just never, it seems like it never ends. And every time you think, okay, we're done. And there he is again. <laughs> just, just talking again about, I don't know what. And look, I appreciate, I appreciate his willingness to be out there. Um, the Royals are not good. And he is the president. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, the buck stops there. And, and he's, he's willing to talk and willing to take questions. Um, and, and it was yesterday, he was in a community event. He was at an event with, with kids. He could have very easily said, hey, I'd love to chat, but I want to talk about this particular event. We, let's set up some time to talk Royals. No, he answered questions. Mm-hmm. And good on him for that. But good Lord, man, stop talking. <laughs> it's it just it there, there there's nothing gained ever it seems like because the reality is and this is I mean probably true of you and me and, and Rudy and then ninety percent of the people listening there's nothing he could say that would make any of us happy unless he said look we suck the coaching sucks we got to get better I, I think that's the only thing he could say which. I don't know why he hasn't said that. I mean, mm-hmm. not, obviously you can't say it now. Well, he could, but, uh, you know. Won't, I, yes. He won't, and that's fine. Yes. But there, there's a very easy, look, he could say, hey, we're, we're 20, now 24 and 42. Um, this is not where we hoped to be. This is not where we wanted to be. Everything has to be evaluated. Nobody should be safe because we are not a good enough team to have anybody safe, and we're doing what we can to fix this. Now, people are not going to love that. But it's a lot better than talking about Cal Elder's attitude. <laughs> and, and, and look, I get it, too. Like, the question, the question that, that Lebo asked was, how, basically, how is he holding up? I mean, in, in, in not, not so many words. And Dayton Moore answered the question, which is fine. But, you know, it just, he, had to, he had to know what was coming next <laughs> and, yeah. and just hasn't. Um, and, and all this PR magic that, has, I mean, think back, there are so many times you hear him talk, and yeah, every so often he'll say something like, in a small way, it feels like we won the World Series back in 2013 when they were 10 games over 500. Mm-hmm. And if they hadn't won the World Series, I think that would be his lasting legacy. Um, they mm-hmm. did, though, so people kind of forgot about it. I'm bringing it up again. Sorry, Dayton. Um, but, like, most of the time when Dayton Moore talks, you leave, and you're like, that's a good guy. I like him. And then for a little bit, you forget, oh, the Royals are 30 games under 500. Um, but lately, he just hasn't had that magic. And uh, he's been trying to recapture it. It just hasn't worked. Yeah. Here, here's the other thing, because I, I do think that just just dumping on everyone associated with a terrible baseball team, I don't think we're doing it that way, but I think doing it that way would be easy, lazy, not particularly helpful, whatever. I mean, any number of those things. Again, I don't think we're doing that. But I, I think that a way we can make sure we're not fully doing that is, okay, well, what, what, what should be different right now? And I think on oh. the, on the like, speaking of the media front, that one's pretty easy. The baseball front is more difficult because it's probably years of missteps and, and decisions to this point. But is, is there something right now or something within the last couple of months other than firing Cal Eldred, which still could be a thing that they could still do? He's still, he's still fireable. Legally, that's allowed. Uh, but if, it, he, if he has a job, he could not have a job. He could, in fact, start not having a job. But 
do you do you have something in mind? We go. This is this is the thing for me that I just can't. I just can't get over. Well, I mean, it kind of is the pitching, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, the, the the problem the problem with this organization, and the other thing too. He needs to stop talking about accountability when they're not showing any. That's a good. I like that. That's a good call. Like that. That's you can say a lot of things, but stop saying we preach accountability when nothing changes and you're 18 games under 500 on June 21st. Yeah. Like you, you, it, you can't. It doesn't go both ways. Um, you know, I, I don't know what they could do different in the short term. I mean, the long term, I think that they need to be figure out a way to be more innovative. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that what that means necessarily. I mean, I, I think about, like, the Brewers Pitching Lab and how they're trying to replicate that, and it should be up and running in a year or two. Um, like, why can't you be the first one? Yeah. <laughs> well, why, why is it the Brewers Pitching Lab and not the Royals Pitching Lab that everybody's replicating? Hire who you need to hire. There are so many smart people out there who would love – Love to work for a major league baseball team mm-hmm. who are brilliant and would put together something. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's obviously not the pitching lab at this point. But, you know, is it, um, is it some, some science that shows you how you can steal bases at a higher clip? I, I don't know. I don't know if, it, if there's like a we, – we can, we can figure out where every pitcher's release point – you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is. They need to be first with something, or like fourth, even would yeah. be okay. Um, and, and that, that to me, they need to get more innovative. And, and I think they have a lot of the people in place. It just hasn't happened to this point, um, which maybe it means they don't have the people in place. I don't know. But, you know, I just, you look, it's, it's so interesting because what they did with the hitting, and like not just this year, but back when they revamped everything after the 2019 season. That, they got modern. And what's happened since then? Well, the minor leaguers are going nuts. They're hitting, they're hitting the bejesus out of the ball. Uh, um, you've turned a, an 11th round pick into a cult hero in the minors who the Royals want up, Royals fans want up so bad that there are Twitter accounts that are bots basically saying, is, is Vinny Pasquitino in the majors yet? Um, I mean, that's what your hitting development has done. And they have done some things on the pitching side. It's not as drastic, um, but like, why? Why not? Why not go as drastic? It's worked, and 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 at the big league level, it's worked. The hitting, the offense. This is not going to be a great offense with their current casting characters, but it's been so much better, so much better since they made the change, and it's been better in ways that these guys particularly preach. They preach not swinging on the edges because you can't drive that ball until there's two strikes. Mm. They preach finding, hunting your pitch and, and doing the most damage you can on it, and they've been better in the heart of the plate. I mean, the things that these guys teach and preach, they've been better. So it's obviously working. <laughs> why, why are you so hesitant to flip the script elsewhere when you see what you've done is, is working on that side? I just don't get it, and that's, that's what they could be doing differently. Mm. 
Um, you, you mentioned this, and, and we, we'll let you go here shortly, but if you, you want to give us a, a quick, um, uh, not even an elevator pitch. It's a long elevator ride if it's an elevator pitch, but, but give <laughs> us a, another, a little more on, on the work you did to look at um, what the Royals did, both uh, pre- and post-hitting coach change. And, um, and you, you gave us a little bit there of what they have been hammering and, and where that's changed. But um, that, that's, a whole, that's a whole piece up on the Inside the Crown uh, newsletter right now. People want to go check that out. But you want to give us a, a little more on that side? Yeah, I mean, I thought you were going to ask for, like, cookie rankings or something. That's next. But, That's next. Okay, okay, okay. I, um, yeah, I mean, I, this is a little different now because it's been a few days. But, you know, the, the Royals, way to run creative plus. That, that's a stat that encompasses a lot of things. They were at 79 before the change. They were at 102 um, with the new hitting coaches coming into the weekend against Oakland. I don't know what they are now. But um, that, that's been a huge change. Um, some of the other stuff have done, they – like I said, they are hitting much better on pitches over the hardened plate. Uh, they were one of the worst in baseball, uh, among they were not, if not the worst in baseball on pitches over the heart of the plate in various categories. Since the change, they're like top ten in every category. They're hitting the ball harder, they're hitting the ball farther, they're hitting the ball better. <laughs> it's as simple as that. The the pitches on the edge, like I mentioned, they're swinging. They were like I think it was like fifty five percent swing rate on pitches on the edge pre two strikes with. The previous with Terry Bradshaw in charge. Since then, it's down to like 51%, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it is. I mean, 4% is a, it, it took them from, I think, like the 20 or like the third most swings uh, before they get two strikes on those pitches to like the 13th least. Um, so it, it's a big change of what they've been doing. And I mean, the reality is these guys are, are like, they're good hitters. I mean, you're, you're a big leaguer. You're not in the big leagues because you can't hit. Um, I mean, there are some guys who are defensive specialists. But for the most part, you look up and down this lineup, who, who in there do you think is, an, is a bad hitter? I'm not saying a bad major league hitter. I mean, just a bad hitter. There's nobody. Hmm. Every single person in that lineup is, can, can hit. It's just a matter of figuring out how to get the most out of them. And you know, we've seen a guy like Nicky Lopez. He struggled. So maybe, they, maybe that's not going to work. But, I mean, MJ Melendez has been kind of a revelation since the new guys came on board. Um, Bobby Witt Jr. has been much better. He's, he's struggling a little bit right now. But, um, you know, just looking at the numbers, too, Michael A. Taylor, different different guy. And I, don't, I don't know how much of that is, is these guys versus um, just, just him getting older and figuring some things out. But these guys in general, I mean, they, they've really helped to bring something out in a lot of these players. And, you know, we talked about sustainability earlier. How much of this is sustainable? I think a lot of it. Hmm. If you're swinging at the right pitch, you're going to do well. If you're taking the right pitches, you're going to do well. And you know what? It's going to lead to some more strikeouts. Nick Prado's strikeout rate in AAA is high. And everybody talks about it. He's not swinging and missing that much, though. Hmm. It's that he's super selective, gets to two strikes, because he didn't find his pitch. And it's the whole thing of the first two strikes are mine, the third one's yours. Hmm. Well, he's not going to swing at a pitch that he can't drive on a one on a one zero pitch or on a one one pitch, and if that means it's one and two, so be it. And then you get into a, pro- a situation where you could strike out. But that's that's what this is all about. And I mean, it seems so simple, but it takes the right message, and, and they seem to be delivering. 
Yeah, I think that's great. Um, almost as great as it will be to, of course, get your um, your. I don't even. I don't if an order is strong. If you could give me a Mount Rushmore of cookies, I would be thrilled. Um, if it needs to be a metal stand, I, I, whatever it needs to be for you, you know. Well, I mean, chocolate chip number one. That's okay. that's the obvious. Yeah. It it if you're gold if you're talking metals it's gold if you're ranking it's one a good chocolate chip cookie beats everything and and you like to think about it in what would you eat six of not what would you eat one of and wow. so yeah I love a double chocolate chip cookie it's too much though for six I that's good for one but I I want a chocolate chip cookie but. There's a brookie, I think, goes on that Mount Rushmore. Wow, I um, love a brookie. Com- combining it, look, it's, <laughs> it's huge. Um, M&M cookie mm. is, is 100% up there. And then, this might surprise you, but just a really good, lightly iced sugar cookie. Oh, huh. perfect. Where do you stand on the store-bought sugar cookies? Um, there are some that are good. I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not going to say no. If you're going to put a sugar cookie in front of me, sure. I don't care if you bought it at Aldi. Or you made it yourself. I'm going to eat it, and I'm going to be happy about it, and I'm going to say thank you. I'm feeling a little bit of disrespect for the my, my personal dark horse of just like some sort of chocolate and peanut butter, just yeah, just massive yeah, a I, cookie. Those are my favorite every time. Look, if you want to give me a cookie with like the mini Reese's or, or like Reese's Pieces, yeah, I'm I'm going to eat that too. Because the reality is, the Mount Rushmore of cookies is every cookie. Every cookie has has a place. Um, That's beautiful. I even like oatmeal raisin. Yeah, so, brave, I'm a big oatmeal raisin guy. Brave, but you're among friends here. I'm proud of you for saying that. Yes, me too. I like an oatmeal raisin cookie. Look, let, let's let's band up. Let let's turn that. The stigma is over. Oatmeal raisin cookies are good, and I'm not afraid to say it. Okay, poll question. Hold on. Rudy right now is clapping. Go ahead and give him the full ovation he needs. Okay, the poll question here um, is going not going to be our oatmeal raisin cookies are good. The poll question is oatmeal raisin cookies are good, period, yes or no? So I that'll be yes. It's 2022. We all just need to band together and, and just accept oatmeal raisin cookies are good. If we can't, come on, come on, listen. Some of you just need to grow up. That's the truth of it. That's the truth of it. Some of you, some of you are afraid of raisins because you were afraid of them as a kid, and it's time that's for you to. That's exactly it. You know what? Raisins are delicious. They are They're delicious in cookies. I, I will not stand for any more oatmeal raisin slander. Now, if you want to throw some chocolate chips in there too, I'm okay with that. Listen, I, I've mentioned the chocolate peanut butter thing earlier, and I don't have to admit this, but I'm going to because I believe that Honest Radio is the best radio. Not only have I recently um, just thrown some dark chocolate chips into a jar of uh, refrigerated peanut butter and then just sort of oh. made a little snack out of that. Not only have I done that, I did it this morning. Yeah, I'm going to go do that right now. You really should. If you get a nice, maybe you get a creamy peanut butter and you can just break off a little piece of a Hershey bar, you know, just like one of those little, and you would think, Josh, don't you have diabetes? Not as much sugar and carbs and all that as you'd think. You got to be responsible. The dark chocolate helps. The dark chocolate's where it's at. Dark chocolate, total game changer. Uh, well, I don't remember a single baseball thing that you said for the last several minutes, but I would love to go get a Me cookie either. right now. So, <laughs> so I'll let you go. We'll go grab some cookies, and hopefully we'll talk uh, sometime within the next month or so. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, guys. It's David Lesky of the Inside the Crown newsletter, insidethecrown.substack.com. And I say this on a Tuesday with Seth Kaiser coming up here in about 20 minutes. Once again, the Substack iPhone app. Recently updated, recently rolled out. What I don't... 
I didn't have it, and then I did. I think it was a brand new app for them a little while ago. Really good way of reading great work from some of our favorites on this show. So um, Substack's not like paying us to to pump their app or anything, but I'm telling you that it's a good way to read Inside the Crown, to read Chief in the North, and you can also follow Lesky on Twitter at DBLesky. Well, it's also how many of our uh, guests, they make so much money on the Substack because of the outrageous prices that they obviously charge. That's right. And David Lesky's charging the crazy high price of free. Yeah. And Seth has, has charged literally... As I, I would say, as high I believe as possible at yes. twelve dollars a year. Uh huh. I believe that's the case. Yeah, you can. Now this is sort of unfair to Lesky to even frame it this way, but you could you can subscribe to the Substacks of both of our guests tonight for the for an average of six dollars per year. Now again, yep. I feel like in that split, Lesky. All if 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 we were giving that split away as a as a fun special deal, I feel like Lesky might try to get out here and get some of his cut. But yeah, no, it's true. You can you can subscribe to Inside the Crown for absolutely free, um, and you can you can subscribe to Chief in the North for uh, twelve bucks a year. So it's it's two incredible deals. Good way to read it there. Also, of course, they just show up to your inbox uh, on a daily basis whenever or you know anytime they come out, which is pretty close to to, to daily certainly for for Lesky during the baseball season. But uh, great work by by both of them, and that's my promo for Lesky, who you just heard, and my promo for Seth, who you'll hear in about 20 minutes whenever he joins us. In the meantime, we'll take a break. Rudy and I can talk a little bit about uh, the NHL, the excuse me, the Stanley Cup final, and not it's not plural, it's singular. It is the Stanley Cup final. This guy Rudy was about to was about to jump down my throat to call me a, a hockey faker, but. That's not true because I know because I watched I watched almost every minute of Lightning Abs last night. Same. And the Lightning, unfortunately, the Lightning scored so many more runs than the Abs did that I just I've caught hockey fever. We'll talk more about that next. You're listening to almost entirely sports. I'm almost like a I little can... too tall for the mic, but it's not like it's not. It's easily I, I can hold it right. That is a, keep it up. that is a challenge. I though. can I can hold it up to my face. That's not a problem. With Joshua Briscoe. Listen, whenever you can't keep it up, we do have ads for that. <laughs> On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Already 137 votes on the poll question from last segment. Poll, oatmeal raisin cookies are good. Yes or no? 67.9% of the audience so far. What do you think, Rudy? What do you think if I give you that 68% has has got two-thirds of the audience has has an opinion on oatmeal raisin cookies? Almost a nice opinion. Almost so, nice. But not but not nice. But not nice. But it's almost nice. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say they dislike it. So you I think we live in a small-minded country full of people who just constantly disappoint me. It's now at 66.9%. percent not 33. That's, that's it's basically 6733 nice. here. Uh 67% of voters so far say oatmeal raisin cookies are good. Yes. We've done it everybody. We got 68% approval on something. It's I just refreshed it again. We're at 68% approval on something. Now all it'll take is 14 years for Congress to act on it. That's a little pretty optimistic. That's a little that's a little pop culture current events jokes there from me and Rudy. It's because that you know 75 percent of America could agree on something. Anyway, I like oatmeal raisin cookies. I don't know that I prioritize them very often. I'll tell you, you know what? 
Whenever we talk in the realm of grocery store cookies, we've also done this show before. We talked about going into reruns with uh, with Harold last week. We we've definitely talked to Robert Rimson about oatmeal raisin cookies and his hatred for them at some point. Um, I think he was anti oatmeal raisin cookies. I believe. I'll, I'll look. I'm sure. I think I've done this poll question again at some other point that I will have to find shortly. But if you're gonna say, "Hey, I'm gonna get like." a thing of cookies from a grocery store i think maybe because oatmeal raisin cookies are they've well hold on hold on hold on actually let me ask rudy you're the only one in the room with me oatmeal raisin cookie um for lack of a better word temperature doneness texture what what side of the spectrum do you prefer an specifically an oatmeal raisin cookie on as far from, as from softness to crispiness. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I, I would say you definitely want them soft. I mean, for me, softer, right? You yes. Know, okay. They, you know, they're, you obviously don't want them too soft, but if you would prefer to be soft compared to, it's not a cookie that's meant to be crispy. I, this is, I like, was, that's what I would, I think, because that, that just kind of throws off the, I mean, it kind of messes up the raisin, I would say, as well, right? Like, you know, it's just... Great point. Right? Like, I know, was going to say all of that, but I... wanted want it to be crisp. I didn't want to assume that I was the only one with that opinion. Now, maybe... I've I never, think I am, though. I've never... I don't think I've ever had it crispy before. Um, maybe it is good crispy. I just don't think I've ever had it like that. So, maybe... I might change... If you gave me a crispy one, I might change my mind completely. Because cri- I like a crispy cookie. Me too. I've had crispy oatmeal, ra- crispy oatmeal raisin cookies. They're good. Yeah, but my, my guess is... I Not as good. My guess is I would like them, but softer yes. is is seems to be the way to go. So here here's my thought: if, if, like a crispy, store like grocery store sugar cookie. I mean, I mean, I don't even. It's not even a grocery store sugar cookie at that point anymore because th- those things are just meant to be like fall apart. Right. Yeah. Because those those have like a powder, and you're talking about like the ones like the cheap cheap frosting and the sprinkles, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That are not good, but I love. I like uh, that's I, acceptable. I, I can acknowledge it's not like. And when I say not a good cookie, it's on the scale of bad cookies are still yeah good yeah the worst the worst cookie in the world is better than the you know best kale chips yeah but like I I understand it is a inferior cookie it's not well made necessarily with the best of ingredients but there's just something about it that just gets me my oatmeal raisin store bought take there was going to be that I think whenever I think about getting just a thing of oatmeal raisin cookies from from a grocery store you know like a like a like like baked in the bakery there yeah. or whatever but you you know you're buying them packaged not individually wrapped or whatever they may have been in that in that plastic case for a day or two like, yeah you don't, sure you don't, you don't know but you know they're in one of those like clamshell yeah. clear cases right I think whenever I think of store store bought cookies, I almost my first pick might be a store bought oatman oatman oatman. Love a good old oatman. I love the I love a oatman cookie. John, you oh you you don't know the story of John Oatman? <laughs> he was like Johnny Appleseed, but for for raisins, which is confusing because he. Planted raisins and then just grapes grew and then he just left. Planted oats and a, and a bunch of great and raisins yeah. and grapes grew. Yeah, he he planted. He just went through fields just throwing oats and and raisins and ultimately nothing really happened. I don't. Somebody just one day he accidentally threw them in somebody's you know cake pow your cake pan <laughs> and it ended up in an oven and boom it was a cookie. And then and that's, and that's the story of John Oatman. We really should have a holiday celebrating him. I would I would definitely proudly take an oatmeal raisin grocery store cookie because I feel like 
they're going to be soft at first. And I don't, if an oatmeal raisin cookie, if I pick it up at the edge and it just like breaks in half, I'm totally good with that. Yeah. Specifically for an oatmeal raisin cookie. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that. I want it to be, I want you to take some oatmeal raisin cookie dough and then just go over it with like a blue, a brulee torch. You know, just just you sear it. You don't even need to really cook. It. No, just. it never needs to see the oven. If you just get a little ball of cookie dough and put it in some tongs and like hold it over the toaster oven first, just over the toaster for a second, that's fine. It's like a it's like a ahi tuna. You know, you just want to get the color on the outside. I want my oatmeal. I want my oatmeal raisin cookies rare. I think we've talked about this, but because because I I I. We're on the same page on just, you know, obviously just oatmeal raisins in general, but like raisins are good. And so like I, I, this just, I started thinking of this. I'm pretty sure we both talked about this. I like raisin bread. I understand it's an old person cereal, yeah. but I like raisins. You know what Renee brought home? Um, it's good. The, the, it's the cereal with the frog on it. They're like, oh. Pops or something. Oh, I don't know if I know God. the cereal with the frog. Oh on it. no! I literally had some text. I haven't had it in Frogos? forever. No, it's not made with frogs. It's just froggy's the, legs. Yeah, they're, it's just a box of frog legs. No, I mean it's cereal, just shaped like a froggy leg. Honey smacks. Honey smacks. This feels is, like a bear should be on the front of that. This is yeah. Good, Do good frogs point. eat honey? No idea. Um, but each individual thing is like oh it's it's a puffed wheat like grain I guess it's just very unique I haven't had them in forever so I had I had a, a little handful of them dry this the, this morning when I when I found that Renee had gotten some um, this is not an this is not an old person cereal necessarily I don't think but there is this is a cereal that has existed for a long time I am confident. There's no way this wasn't created in the era of cocoa puffs, right? No. Like, he, you got cuckoo this, for cocoa puffs, and you got honey smacks who were here to give you enough sugar to get you through the depression. I imagine. I was gonna gonna mention the uh, the dust bowl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, this is we the cereal. The this is the cereal that you pour into the dust bowl and then eat with water because milk isn't really out right now. Introduced in the early 1950s. So that checks out. Pretty close. Yeah, 1950s. Pretty close. It's a nice, it's a nice right. cereal. It's it's very pleasant. Um, oh boy, there's a lot of information here where I So it has been Do we have to cancel Honey Smacks? No. Okay, good. No, there's a whole section though called marketing history, and it says since oh, the boy. cereal was introduced in 1953, there have been various different mascots. I'm not going to read the, the summaries of all of these, but I'm just going to read you the names as they are listed. Cliffy the Clown. Various clowns served as the advertising mascot from 1953 to 1956, including Cliffy the Clown and Lou Jacobs from the Ringling Brothers. Smacksy the Seal. Quick Draw McGraw from Hanna-Barbera. The Smackin' Bandit. <laughs> I need to see pictures of all of these. The Smackin' Brothers, Diggum Frog, in the early 1970s, an Indian chief appeared briefly, replaced by Diggum Frog in 1972. Smart. Hey, hey they got ahead, they they ahead of that one early, so possibly kudos to Smackin' Frog. That, that move was one small leap for mankind, one giant leap for the frog. Then Love Smacks, a heart-shaped dog, 
Wally the Bear, and then Diggum Frog Redux. He was brought back in the 90s. Dug him right up from that grave <laughs> that guess. he was sent to. I guess. Holy Little, uh, smokes. Stephen, Stephen King Pet Cemetery. Hey, just I just did see here, it, Honey Smacks being introduced in 1953. It does say on my Wikipedia page that was, in fact, 69 years ago. Nice. So, there's all that. It's a nice cereal. It's extremely nice cereal. I would say this is a nice year for that cereal. I got a lot of questions about the Smackin' Bandit and the Smackin' Brothers. But I don't know if I want to see what those mascots look like because I got a, I got a, I got a, got a weird feeling. It might not be great. Well, what if I told you that in 1965, Quick Draw McGraw faced off against the Smackin' Bandit, a llama who traveled in bounding leaps and would suck the cereal directly out of the box with its floppy lips. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel awesome about it, having not yet seen him. I yeah, I, I need to see the uh, the mascot first. I, I think I'm not seeing a ton of evidence of my, of my, him existing. My trust of companies in the uh, the 50s, 60s, and 70s <laughs> yeah. with some of their marketing campaigns yeah. not great. I would say rightfully damaged. Not um, that they were all bad. There's but literally there was enough of them. There is a Reddit post. Heartbreakingly, from two years ago with zero comments, comments of looking for the smack and bandit, and then they have done a sketch where they believe this llama may have looked like. See, it's hidden. It's been lost to time for a reason. Yeah, that is terrifying. I'm afraid that we're gonna milkshake duck the smacking bandit before the the week is up. Hey, also something you should do before the week is up. By the way, you can join us for the annual Sports Radio 810 Listener Golf Tournament on the Fred Arbanus Golf Course on Monday, July 25th. It's a 9 a.m. shotgun start, and you can join in for just $100.10. Get golf, a cart, drink tickets, breakfast, lunch, a goodie bag, and tons of amazing hole prizes. We'll have 810 personalities out there, a broadcast of The Zone, and you can play Fred Arbonus Golf Course and their signature hole, a challenging par 4 that offers a panoramic view of Longview Lake with stunning views. If you want to sign up for that, head to 810whb.com golf to register your foursome today. That's 810whb.com golf. We'll play a few holes with our friend Seth Kaiser of the Chief of the North Newsletter whenever we come back right here on Almost Entirely Sports.